0: You're listening to a message from Highway Church entitled, Prince or Pauper, Part 2. Enjoy. We started a new series last Sunday, and the title of it is Prince or Pauper. And we're talking about being born again, understanding what it means to be born again, and walking in the reality of that. And we reference the famous story called The Prince and the Pauper, which was written by Mark Twain. And in that story, we have the prince, the heir of the throne of England. And and he, he he comes up with an idea to trade places with a pauper someone who's poor, someone who has nothing, who's living in poverty, because he wants to escape the walls of the palace and go and just play and do some other things that, that the other kids do. So he does. He, he trades places with the pauper. He puts on the pauper's rags. He muddies up his face with soot from the fireplace, and he escapes over the palace wall, and he goes and just plays and and has a good time. But even though he looks like a pauper on the outside, he knows who he is on the inside. He never forgets that, and he won't let anyone else tell him differently. And eventually, the king dies in the story, and the the prince returns to the palace and takes his rightful place and becomes the king. And when he's coronated as king, he elevates his friend, the pauper, to become his very own, the king's very own ward. And the pauper is no longer a pauper anymore. And that's uh, it's a it's a wonderful story. I enjoy this story, and it it really I think uh, provides us a great way of looking at what Jesus did. He came to Earth. He laid down his glory. Came as a pauper. He didn't come as God in all of His glory. He was born as a man, and He became our poverty. It says in, in Corinthians, He became a poverty on the cross and in the grave that we might become rich. And He's elevated us. Through faith in him to royalty. So, what was the difference we said last week? What was the difference between the pauper and the prince? You remember? Yeah, who their father was, right? Who they were born of. That was the difference between the prince and the pauper. And we said last week that we, people living in 2014 on planet Earth, we only have two options for who our Father is. Either our Father is God or Satan. There is no in-between as far as the Scriptures teach. But all of us, apart from Christ, we, will, we were all born paupers. We were all born in sin. Look at Romans chapter 3, verse 23. It says, For all have sinned. And fall short of the glory of God. We're included in that, all right? We've all fallen short of the glory of God. Now we're gonna go to John chapter 8. Go to Highway Church, we know our Bible, right? We, boom, you say John, we're in John, say Romans, we're in Romans. So, John chapter 8, you gotta know your way around the word, it is your weapon, right? John 8, chapter 23, Jesus is talking, the prince, right? He says, you are from beneath. I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. Big difference between he and us. At that, right, apart from faith in him. Therefore, I said to you that you will die in your sins. If you do not believe that I am, you will die in your sins. That is not the will of Jesus for anyone. That is not the will of God. In fact, Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 10. Eden, would you put that up there, please? John chapter 10, verse 10. Jesus himself, just like he said in John chapter 8, he speaks again. He says the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But look what he says. Here's why I've come. I came that they might have life and have it abundantly that is God's will for you faith in Christ transforms us from a pauper to a prince that's what the apostle peter said as he wrote his letter let's look in 1st peter chapter 2 faith in Christ takes us from a pauper and transforms us into a prince 1st peter writing to those who've put their faith in Christ Could be writing to us right now, right? Verse 9, he says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a purchased people, verse 10, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. So now we are from above. We were from beneath, but now we're from above. We were not of God, now we're of God, if you put your faith in Jesus Christ. Very important. All right, let's go deeper in this thing. Let's go into John chapter 3. Let's go deeper. We want to we walk in the reality of who we are in Christ. We want to understand the new birth that we experienced and walk in the strength and life of that. John chapter 3, Jesus is talking. And when Jesus is talking... Just like E.F. Hutton, people listen, right? You ever remember that commercial? Woo! That's back a while. When E.F. Hutton speaks, people listen. (laughs) Oh, well. John chapter 3. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This guy was a master, an expert in the law, he knew the scriptures. But he didn't know Jesus. Verse 2. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, which means teacher, we know that thou art a teacher come come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of Again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. That word see is so important. He's not talking about off in the distance going to heaven someday. That word see literally means to know experientially. To experience. To know and perceive. He says unless you're born again, you cannot experience, know, and perceive the kingdom of God. Look how the Amplified says it. He says, I assure you, most solemnly I tell you, that unless a person is born again, another, another definition for that word again could be anew, born anew, or born from above, he cannot ever see, know, means experience, be acquainted with and experience the kingdom of God. God wants you to daily experience Him. He wants to be the closest one to you. He wants you to know His voice more than you know anyone else's. But you can't do that unless you're born again. You can't know Him that way unless you're born again. Verse 4, Nicodemus says unto Him, How can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. He's contrasting flesh with spirit. Marvel not. Anyone like Marvel comics? Marvel not. (laughs) That I said unto thee, you must be born again. Again, So Jesus says, this is a requirement. The wind blows where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh, and whither it goeth. So is everyone that is born of this Spirit. Nicodemus answers, says unto Jesus, how can these things be? Jesus answered and said unto him, art thou a master of Israel, and knowest not these things? Verily, verily, I say unto you, Nicodemus, we speak that we do know, and testify that we have seen, and you receive not our witness. If I told you earthly things, and you believed not, how shall you believe if I tell you heavenly things? And no man hath ascended up to heaven, but that, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man which is in heaven, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Verse 15, very important verse. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Why is that important? Because he's explaining to Nicodemus right now what he said in verse 3 and verse 7. He's giving the requirement, the criterion, That God has for experiencing him. Whosoever believeth in him. So, what must we do to be born again? Believe in Jesus, right? That's it. That is the only godly requirement. Verse verse 16 For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Here it is again. He lists the requirement again. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. What is the requirement God has? To believe in what else? No. To believe in Jesus. That's it. Now, man's religion has added a bunch of things to that, but the Bible doesn't. This is the new covenant. Believe in Jesus. All right? Verse 17, for God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world. Isn't that good news? But that the world through him, there it is again, through him might be saved. And again in verse 18, he that believeth on him, what's the one requirement? Believing on Jesus is not condemned. But he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Now, Jesus gives us this simple requirement for being born again. And boy, how man has made this so difficult. It is so simple. Believe on me. Put your faith in who I am. Now, Jesus is talking to Nicodemus. Jesus is talking about spiritual realities. Nicodemus is thinking on natural terms. He cannot understand what Jesus is saying. (laughs) There's a conflict here. Jesus sees things properly. He sees things from the spirit realm to the natural realm. We need to see things that way. See, when you're unsaved, when you're just used to living in this world, you develop the habit of seeing things from the natural perspective. Don't even really understand the spirit realm. Jesus, coming from the spirit realm, knew who he was. He saw things from the spirit realm to the natural. Nicodemus didn't understand that, okay? So his frame of reference was spirit, not flesh. Jesus. That is to become our frame of reference. His frame of reference was supernatural, not natural. Okay, he the the unseen was very real to him. He knew that the unseen God was his father. John chapter four twenty four. Let's put that up there. Eh? I'm sorry. I, I before we do that, let's look at Hebrews eleven three. This was Jesus' frame of reference. He was sure of the unseen. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 3 says this, by faith, faith in who? Jesus, right? Sure. By faith we understand. Isn't that what he said? Unless you're born again, you cannot see, can't perceive, can't understand, can't know. So by faith in Jesus, Hebrews eleven three, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen That's all the natural stuff, right? We're not made of things which are visible. So Hebrews 11.3 tells us that everything we can see came from the unseen realm of the Spirit. By faith we understand that. Through faith in Jesus, our eyes are opened to the realm of the Spirit. This is not hocus-pocus or the twilight zone, or or some new age philosophy. This is just the simple Bible. It's important as believers that we understand the spirit realm. Okay? The enemy twists this and, and sends people in all kinds of kooky directions in the spirit realm, but we don't do that. Our faith is in Jesus, and we understand that even though we can't see God, he has become our father through faith in his son. And we're sure that, and we operate now from that frame of reference. That is our perspective when we wake up in the morning. God, the unseen God, is my Father. And His unseen Spirit is providing life to my physical body every moment of every day of my life. That's Hebrews 11.3. So Jesus operates from this. John 4.24. Now we can go there, Eden. Now, look what Jesus says. I like this. He says, God is a spirit. In other words, you can't see him. Normally, we can't see spirits unless something supernatural happens. But normally, we can't see them. They are all around us, but we can't see them. God is a spirit. Can't see him normally unless something supernatural would happen. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Interesting. I wonder how Jesus would define truth. So he says, they that worship this unseen God must worship him in spirit and in truth. Well, he defines truth for us in John 17. Let's go there. John 17, 17. Jesus is talking. So we must worship him in spirit and in truth. What's truth? Sanctify them by your truth. Look at that. Your word is truth. Truth. We must worship God in spirit and in truth. His word is truth. So truth equals the word. Look what Jesus said in John 6. You giving your fingers some exercise? Yes. Go to John 6. Verse 63. It is the spirit who gives life. Yes. The flesh profits nothing. Look at this now. The words that I speak to you are spirit and our life. So we have to worship God. The true worshipers worship Him in spirit and in truth. His word is truth. Truth is His word. Truth is His spirit. Truth is life. The word of God is truth. The word of God is life. The word of God is spirit. What is he saying? That God desires those who will worship Him through simple faith in his Word. Amen. Amen. Not religious tradition. Through simple faith in His Word. You're right, Humdi. His Word. You're right. That's so good. Why is that important? Some places you go, some churches you go to, they will preach Based on one of three things, life experience, the tradition of men, or the law, obedience to the law. Highway Church, we don't do that. I want to explain to you the difference. See, we we can base what we believe on what we go through in life, on what we've experienced or have not experienced. But there's a big problem with that. We're living in a fallen world that's falling apart. And many things go on in this earth that are not the will of God, that are not God's plan for us. And when we get in the Word, we can learn to overcome those things and take authority over those things. So in some places, they preach based on their life experience. And Jennifer was at a conference a little while ago, and there was someone there preaching from their life experience, saying every promise of God in the Bible is not for us. That's what they were saying. And he said. And one of the reasons he gave, one of the reasons I say that is because of my life experience. He came right out and said it. So some preach based on their life experience. And you will, you will fall way short of what God has for you if you base what you believe on your life experience. At Highway Church, we preach just based on the simple Word of God. I'm not going to add my life experience to that. We believe the Word of God and we change our life experience. You see the difference? Big difference huge difference okay some places you go they will preach based on the traditions of their ancestors right of those who've gone before them and you and they do that because that's what they've been told and they just stuck with it and they just doing the same thing that they did the generation before them the generation before them and the problem with that is the traditions of men can make the word of god of no effect in our lives we don't do that at highway church our tradition is faith in jesus that's it. <laughs> Nothing else. Faith in him. You can go some places and they will teach obedience to the law and say that if you can just obey God in these areas and do so many things right, you'll get closer to God than you are now. And they, and, but you never quite get there in those places. You're all, and, and usually you'll leave there wondering, what am I doing wrong? Or boy, I must be missing it here. Or, oh, I just can't get this right. And it just leads into this spiral. Yeah. And, you, and the only place you end up going is down. But thank God for raising up this church. And I say that unbiasedly. I know I'm the pastor, but I say that unbiasedly. Because my heart has been longing for many, many years for a place where people could come in this area and not get tradition, not get uh, based on a person's experience or, or obedience to the law, but just faith in Jesus and experience this new life that he came to give us. So Jesus is saying, God, the unseen God, is looking for those who will worship him through simple faith in his word. Now, the more we put our faith in the word of God, the more we experience the person of God. And the converse of that is true. The less we put our faith in the Word of God, the less we experience the person of God. The more we put our faith in the Word of God, the more intimate our relationship comes, becomes with the person of God. Okay? So the Word of God, God places a premium on His Word. Look at John 1.1. This is, this is God talking. And John wrote this inspired by the Holy Spirit. Look what he said. In the beginning was the Word. Was John with God in the beginning? This is the Apostle John. No. This was inspired by the Holy Spirit. There's no way he could know this, right? He wasn't there. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. God places a premium on His Word. Look at Psalm 138, verse 2. This is what God has done says, for you have magnified your word above all your name. Wow. <laughs> God has elevated his word even above his name. I mean, how amazing is this? Really. So you see the emphasis like Caleb. Why was Caleb so confident? Because he had the word of God. God had promised him and the rest of the people, they just didn't believe it, that that land belonged to them. And he could stare at the giants living in that land without fear knowing that they were trespassing on his property. And so we can stare at the giants of, of fear, anxiety, worry, lack, sickness, disease, knowing that they have no right in our lives, that they are trespassing on our property, and we kick them out in the name of Jesus. We've got that same faith. It just comes through the simple Word of God. Now, if we put our faith in natural things and the Word of God, We end up missing it. We end up, um, our relationship with God kind of gets skewed. And and what he wants for us, uh, we limit our experience with God. I'll say it that way. Let me give you a great example. John chapter 3. John chapter 3. So we want just simple faith in the word of God. If we try and and combine that with something else, we limit our experiencing God. We limit our relationship with Him. Now, verse 5, Jesus said in John chapter 3, He says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. So He says you've got to be born of water and the Spirit. Now, what man's natural thinking did they've added a condition to salvation. They said in order to be saved, you've got to be, have H2O poured on you. Or you've got to be dunked in the natural substance that's H2O. Two parts hydrogen, one part oxygen, right? That's what man has done. Jesus is not talking about H2O right here. You can see that if you just keep reading, which we already did, in verses 15, 16, 17, and 18, he's talking about faith in him. See, if you understand the Scriptures, you just, again, you can just see that right in John, but water and spirit are used symbolically in the Bible to refer to renewal, spiritual renewal and cleansing, all right? So here's a great idea where man's tried to follow God with his natural reasoning, and they've made disciples of this. And there are scores of people, and they're safe, thank God for them, but believe that you've got to be baptized in H2O in order to know God. Can you imagine God, the maker of heaven and earth, hinging salvation upon H2O? What if there's a drought? Uh-oh. Isn't it silly when we think of it in, in, in godly terms? Yeah. What if they can't? What if there's no water around? What are you going to do? It's too tough. They're going to hell. Sorry. Right. How silly. Let's look at this. Let's look at Isaiah. We're going to go back to Isaiah. Isaiah Isaiah 44. He's talking about faith in Him. Faith in Him purifies you. It cleans you. Isaiah 44. This is an example of how water is used symbolically to talk about spiritual renewal. Look at this. For I will pour water upon him that is thirsty and floods upon the dry ground. I will pour my spirit. See what he's talking about? You're not talking about H2O. I'll pour my spirit upon thy seed and my blessing upon thy offspring. Isaiah 55.1. We're going to jump around. Ho, ho, yo, Adrian. Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. Is he talking about coming to some rivers or, or to Lake Winnipesaukee? No. And you who have no money come buy and eat come buy wine and milk without money and without cost now he's using a lot of natural things there what's he talking about salvation in Christ you see that he's not talking about going grocery shopping shopping getting wine and milk he's talking about faith in Jesus Christ look at Joel chapter 2 Isaiah Jeremiah Lamentations Ezekiel Daniel Hosea Joel chapter 2 and it shall come to pass afterward That I will pour out H2O. No, I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And also upon the servants and upon the handmaids in those days will I pour out my spirit. Let's go to Zechariah. We want to give you the word. Zechariah. Daniel, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah. In that day, Zechariah 13, shall be a fountain opened to the house of David and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem for sin and for uncleanness. Is he talking about a a, um, ceramic or stone or marble fountain being built? He's talking about Jesus coming, the Holy Spirit being made available to us through faith in Christ. Three more scriptures. Ephesians, New Testament. Ephesians chapter 5. Stay with me. Ephesians chapter 5, New Testament. It says, husbands, verse 25, love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. He's not instructing husbands to make sure their wives take baths. He's talking about speaking the word to their wives, encouraging them to put their faith in the promises of God, and that word will sanctify and cleanse them. It's faith in the word. James 1.18, book of James, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. First thing that's only first thing, Titus, uh, first thing in Timothy, Titus, Philemon, Hebrews, James. He chose to give us birth how? Through the word of truth, right? James chapter 1 verse 18. He gave us this new birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. See, God didn't want anything natural connected to this. He wanted this available to everybody. He didn't want anything natural to get in the way of his salvation. He made it supernatural, available. One more scripture, 1 Peter 1 verse 23, right after James... 1 Peter 1 being verse 23 being born again not of corruptible seed not of natural things right but of incorruptible by the word of god which liveth and abideth forever wow this is great A lot of scriptures, we just went through about six or seven scriptures there to show you that God uses natural things in his word to communicate to us spiritual truths. And what man's religion does, the things that God uses symbolically in the word, he takes them literally. And the things that God says are literal in his word, he makes them symbolic. Religion gets it all backwards. (laughs) But in Highway Church, we just take God at his word. We put our faith in his word. And I want you to know the greatest display of supernatural power that you could ever experience in your life is to be born again. Nothing, no miracle is greater than your dead, sin-diseased spirit. Being made perfectly clean, resurrected, and made new, and brought into union with God the Father. Nothing is more powerful than that. And it's important to understand that because so many times believers are looking for the supernatural to happen. But if they'll just realize what's already happened inside of them, they'll begin to experience the endless rivers of life that are already in them. Already in them. You don't have, it's not, it's, what does the word say? It's, it's not who, who's going to go down into, into the depths, right? Who has to go up to the heavens to get it? No, the word is near you. It's in your mouth. The life you're longing for is in you. It's right here. It's Just say it with your mouth and believe it with your heart. Hallelujah. So religion has made much of water, H2O. But very little of the Spirit of God. So we got a whole bunch of water over here, a little wee bit of the Spirit of God. Highway Church, we make much of the Holy Spirit. And water we just drink it when we're thirsty, right? And use it to cook with. We make much of the Holy Spirit. In fact, John the baptized, he baptized with John the Baptist, baptized with. H two O, didn't he? And what did that do for people? Did it save them? No, no it didn't. Right? It, it, was, it was a symbolic of the cleansing and forgiveness of sins, but it didn't save them. In fact, John last scripture, Matthew three eleven, John the Baptist is talking, and this is what he says: "I indeed, this is Matthew chapter three verse eleven, I indeed baptize you with H two O, under repentance." He was preparing their hearts for Christ. You seen that? Jesus hadn't come yet. He hadn't even seen Jesus at this point, right? He was preparing them. He was the one who made the way in the wilderness for the Messiah to come. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with what? The Holy Spirit and fire. With the Holy Spirit and fire, I think it's Jeremiah 23:29. God says, "Is not my word like fire?" He's talking about faith in the word of God again. See, Jesus has baptized us in his Holy Spirit. The greatest miracle that could ever take place is to put your faith in him. And you need to know if you put your faith in Jesus Christ, it's a greater miracle than your physical body being healed. It's a greater miracle than than abundance of provision in your finances. It's a greater miracle than wisdom on your job that Jesus Christ himself by the power of the Holy Spirit in the person of the Holy Spirit has come to live in you. He made your spirit brand new. He took our our dark, dirty, filthy, putrid, sin-infested spirit, and he came inside of us. And by the power, the resurrection power, the same power that raised him from the dead, he made our dead spirit alive. He made us alive. We went from pauper to prince when we accepted Jesus Christ. We went from forgotten to chosen. We went from unholy to holy. We went from sick to healed. We went from poor to rich when we put our faith in Jesus Christ. That's who you are now. That's who you are now. It's just faith in him. It's just simple faith in Jesus. And that's what we want to encourage you in at Highway Church. So here you are, it's Sunday, the first day of the week. You've got a week ahead of you now. I want to encourage you to remind yourself of what we've talked about today. We started in, in worship time with Colossians 2, 9 and 10. And now we're talking about that simple that through simple faith in Jesus Christ, you have become a new creation. All right? 2 Corinthians 5:17. You're a new person, old things are past. All things have become new, and all these things are from him. him. Prince or pauper? Well, if you put your faith in Jesus, you're a prince, right? Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for this time together. We thank you that through simple faith in your word, we have been born again, immersed in Christ, and made new by your word and your spirit. And Father, we thank you for this new life. And we rejoice knowing we don't have to climb any mountains. We don't have to cross any seas. All we've got to do is trust in you. All the life and the power and the provision that we need is already inside of us. We are now a chosen race, a royal priesthood and holy nation, a purchased people bought by the blood of your Son. We are victors, never victims. We are always victorious in you. And we put our trust in you today to lead us and guide us in the situations and circumstances of our lives. And we thank you, Father, for who you are manifest in us. In Jesus' name, amen. God is looking for those who will worship Him through simple faith in His Word. Don't let man's religious reasonings rob you of a life-producing relationship with Jesus Christ. Keep it simple. Put your faith in His promises and begin living the abundant life He came to give you. In Jesus' name, amen.